Good morning from myself, church. A big welcome to everyone joining us today. It's good to be with you all, and it's good to preach the Word of God again this morning. I want to ask you today, are you ready for the Word, church? Are you ready for the Word? <laughs> Let's just pray and commit this time to Him. Father God, we come to you this morning in the, the glorious name of Jesus. Lord, we come to you with grateful hearts, grateful because of the privilege we have to gather in your name and to hear what it is you have to say about growing in spiritual maturity and becoming Christ followers that are involved in kingdom business. Lord, as we study your word today, help us not to just be hearers of the word, but doers also. Not just those who proclaim the name of Christ, but those who live up to that name. And Lord, not just those who are aware of kingdom disciplines, principles, and values, but those who are willing to work out what needs to be worked out in their lives in order to partner with you in building kingdom. Lord, our part is so small, yet in all our inadequacies, you invite us to develop certain things in our lives that will make an eternal difference for the sake of kingdom. It is our heart's desire, therefore, that our lives would be a representation of this invitation and that you would be magnified and glorified in and through our lives in the way that you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Church, the title for today's message, or shall I say the subtitle for today's message is, Why Should I Worry? Why Should I Worry? We are coming to the end of Matthew chapter 6 today in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. And as we've worked our way through chapters 5 and 6, you would have noticed by now that the overarching theme of the Sermon on the Mount is defining what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to have his values and priorities of his kingdom dominate your life. And in this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount that we started last week and what we're going to finish today, Jesus is talking about material things, about material disciplines, church, materialism, and how we should handle those things as his followers. Last week, we spoke about making important choices when it comes to material possessions. And, and can you remember what some of those choices are? Firstly, it's the choice between storing up for yourselves treasures on earth or storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your heart is there, your treasure will be also. Jesus presents us with the decision here because he knows that either your heart and your treasure will be on earth or your heart and your treasure will be in heaven. He leads us to make the right choice by storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, which means that we must use what God has given us now to invest in kingdom work that impacts people for eternity. Secondly, we have a choice between two visions in either that we have a good eye towards God or we have a bad eye towards Him. Either we have a good eye towards His commands, His, His, His precepts and His instructions, or we just discard those things in our lives. We, just, we think, them, think of them as not that important. It's about having an eye or a vision singly focused on the light of God and the heart of God. And if his heart is generous, then ours should be as well. 
And when we keep that single type of focus on Him, we are led away from the darkness of, of greed, covetousness, comparison, and envy. That's important. Thirdly, we have a choice between two masters because Jesus very clearly says, you cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you cannot serve the one and only true God and the God of materialism at the same time. As the Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. Jesus doesn't want our hearts divided on this issue. He is Lord of everything or Lord of nothing in our lives. Either you're going to live for material things and materialism, or you're going to have a mind and an eye toward spiritual things. That's the issue here. And look, Jesus, remember church, Jesus is not asking us to despise the material blessings that he has so graciously given us. Instead, be grateful for it. Regard it as a stewardship and use it as a wise investor with a heavenly portfolio in mind, not an earthly portfolio in mind. Because your earthly portfolio is going to pass away, but your heavenly one will prosper forever. Amen? So building on that idea of putting the priority of spiritual things over material things, Jesus says the following from verse 25. Let's read it together. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying what we shall eat, or what we shall drink, or what we shall wear, for after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, again he says, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Church, the first thing that I want you to notice here are the opening words of verse 25. Jesus says, therefore, I say to you. Now, when the Bible says, therefore, or when Jesus spoke these words, he's connecting this idea with what he said before. Those words, therefore, are connecting the principles we spoke about last week to the, to the words and principles we are going to cover this morning. And I want to break this passage that we're covering today down into three parts. If you're taking notes this morning, the first one is the rule, which is the command that Jesus gives us not to worry. Number two is the reason for the rule as to why 
we shouldn't worry. And then finally, number three, what we do instead, the remedy. So it's the rule, the reason, and the remedy. You got that? Let's start with the, with the first one, the rule. Three times in this passage, Jesus says, do not worry. Right? In verse 25, he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry. Verse 31, therefore do not worry. And verse 34, again, therefore do not worry. Do you think Jesus is trying to tell us something? And you could translate this in two ways. Firstly, stop the action of worrying that is already ongoing. Or secondly, if you're not worried, then don't start worrying now. So a lot of us tend to lean to that, that first one, which means if you are worrying, the idea is that you need to stop that. You need to rein that in. You need to think differently to, to the way you're thinking now. In fact, the Amplified Bible puts it this way. It says, stop being perpetually or permanently uneasy. That is worried and anxious about your life. Then he says in verse 25, do not worry about your life. And the word life there is the Greek word suche, and it has to do with the fullness of earthly, physical, and external life. In other words, don't be anxious about this world, the temporal, external, physical, earthly world. The eating and the drinking and the clothing and the housing and all that makes up this earth, don't worry about that. And if you've already started, then, then stop now, right? If you haven't started, then don't start worrying about it now. And church, you may be sitting there thinking, Pastor, have you missed the last two to three years of what's been going on in this world? Have you missed the fact that we've just come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and just about every part of our lives has been affected in some way or another? Is never going to be the same, and you are telling us not to worry about our lives? Well, firstly, I'm going to tell you, I didn't say that Jesus did, right? And truthfully, if I look back at some of the days over the past few years, I hate to admit this, but there were days where I was, I was really worried about the future, right? You start worrying about finances, you start worrying about your family, and especially for us, we had a, a major concern about the, the state of our church. Like, we've got anything to do with building God's church, right? But we worry about these things. I mean, one year into pastoring our church, Pastor Renella and I and the leadership of our church had to learn how to lead a ministry in a pandemic. We had absolutely no experience how to do this type of thing. We had zero experience on how to record or to even stream our services online. We didn't even have the equipment to do it. But somehow now, you know, we've progressed to this place by the grace of God. There were even times where we were able to gather again, but someone would test positive for COVID. And because you never knew if you really would get it yourself or now if you would pass it on to someone else, we would have to make those calls where we could, you know, we would have to cancel a service and go back online for a few weeks again. We even tried an outdoor service in winter, Nochal, in a pandemic so that we could gather together. That's how much we love gathering together as a church, right? By the grace of God, we've come through this, but they were probably the, the most uncertain times I've ever experienced, and, and I'm sure for you as well. 
Never mind how it affected many people financially and how many people were genuinely concerned about themselves or their loved ones that were sick. And even some of us lost loved ones. So it was a real thing that affected all of us. But you know, church, through all of it, as much as we were anxious at the time or we worried about the future, you know what? I've come to the realization that I don't know my future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know the one who knows my future, right, and who controls my future. And the key in times like this, church, is to turn our worrying into praising because our Savior has, has got our future in His hands. And honestly, church, when I was thinking about what has happened over the past few years, I asked myself the question, Would I worry less if something similar came my way? Because if I haven't learned through all of this to not worry, or I haven't already seen that my God is in control of my future because I've seen my hand, His hand in my past, right? That means that I'm more earthly focused than I am heavenly focused, and I'm still holding onto things very tightly in this life. I heard a story the other day that really challenged me. The story about John Wesley, the famous evangelist of the 18th century. He was on the mission fields. He was doing some work, some missionary work. And and someone ran up to him in a frightened voice and said to him, John, your house has just burned down. Immediately said, no, it didn't. He said, John, I said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, But your house is burned down. I've seen it for myself. Your house and all your possessions have been destroyed. He said, no, it hasn't because I don't own a house. The one I have been living in belongs to the Lord. And if it is burned down, that's one less responsibility for me to worry about. (laughs) That's a heavenly perspective on, on earthly possessions, right? That's holding on to things very loosely in this life. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And in today's terms, you could add, do not worry about the type of car you drive, the home you live in, or your net worth. Is not life more than these things? And the general sense here, church, and there's a, there's a principle that I want to try and touch on throughout this message today. The general sense here is very simply that God wants us to have more concern on spiritual things and put less concern on material things. Right? He wants us to have a a heavier touch on spiritual things and a very light touch on material things. And if we do that, in many cases, we will be free from the torment of worry. So that's the rule. Jesus commands us not to worry. But here's the big question. Why not? Why shouldn't I worry? Is there really a good reason for me not to to worry about these things? At church, Jesus gives us some very good reasons. And that's really what I love about the Bible. It's reasonable. You know, God didn't just throw out a command and say, you stop doing that. He says, let me tell you why it is reasonable for you to stop that behavior. That's why Isaiah says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. And God always gives us 
practical application as to how we need to work these things out in our lives. Right? So let me give you some practical applications. Church, here's the reasons not to worry. Because of your master, because of your father, and because of your future. Because of your master, because of your father, and because of your future. We've already partly covered the first one last week in verse 24 where it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the underlying truth to that, church, is that God is to be our master and we are to be his servants. Now, this terminology is quite frequent in Scripture because the master-slave relationship was quite common over 2,000 years ago. It was estimated that between 70 and 120 million people were slaves at the time in some form or another. So it was a common thing, but in, in those days, in most cases, it wasn't a bad thing to be a slave. Obviously, slavery in more recent history was not that case, but it wasn't a bad thing there because you could choose if you wanted to commit your life to your master. And if you did that, it meant that your master had absolute total responsibility to provide you with everything that you needed. If you needed clothing, your master took care of it. If you needed food and drink, your master took care of that for you and for your family. Whatever you needed, that was part of, of the deal. right? He takes care of everything. And I know we say this very glibly as Christians. We say, you know what, God, God is in control. Someone comes and says they've got a problem or they're dealing with something. You just say to them, don't worry, God is in control. We say those things, but church, you know, it rolls off the tongue, but do we really believe what we're saying? You see, the truth is, I need to tell you this morning, that your master is in control. He owns this world, and that is why he is able to provide us with whatever we need. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Which means, church, there is nothing in this life that is out of God's control. God is absolutely in control. God has got this. Tell the person next to you, God has got this. We don't know the plan, church. We don't know why, but our master has every little detail in his control. That's, that's a good reason not to worry. Wouldn't you agree? The second reason you shouldn't worry is because of your father. That's the point that Jesus makes in verse 26. He says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And I want you to notice language here. When he speaks about the birds, he doesn't say their heavenly Father. He says your heavenly Father. He's their heavenly creator, but there's no personal relationship. God doesn't promise to the birds to what he promises us, right? And when I last checked, there's never been a bird created in the image of God. And what Jesus is really saying here, church, is that it is unnecessary and even irrational to worry about material things, even the basic necessities of life, because of your Father. In other words... Have you forgotten who your father is? 
You know, to give you an illustration, if I take my own children, for example, my children don't worry about where they're going to get their next meal. Right? They don't worry about that. They don't worry whether they're going to have clothes on their back or a bed to sleeping or something to eat and to drink. That never enters their mind, church, because they know enough about their father to know their father provides for them. They have absolutely no worry. And believe me, church, I don't come close to being as faithful as God, and, and yet how often do we fail to believe that God's going to provide for us? And then we start to worry. Jesus says, hang on a moment. Just look at the birds of the air. Do they worry the same way that you worry? And church, every bird that lives in this world lives because God gives it life, right? And if God gave life to every bird, he doesn't say, all right, bird, I've done my thing. I've given you life. Now you figure out how to keep that life. No. God doesn't just create love, He creates love and then He sustains love. And the point here, church, is that it is irrational to believe that God wouldn't provide for you if He has already created you. It is irrational to believe that God wouldn't provide for you if He already provides for the birds of the air. And that doesn't mean that you, you know, the birds don't go and sit there with their mouths wide open and God feeds them. They still work, right? But God provides for them. It's the same for us. We can't go and, go and sit on our couch and expect God to pour KFC down our mouth or whatever the case may be. We have still got to be people that have got to be willing to work and be industrious in life. Right? So I'll say it again. Have we forgotten who our Father is? A man by the name of, of Arthur Pink, who was a Bible teacher in the 19th century, he explained this, this type of irrational behavior. He had a theory. Well, not a theory, but he had a few words that he wrote. He said, and I quote, Irrational creatures such as birds and other beasts come nearer to their purpose and better observe the order of nature in their creation than man does. For they seek only for that which God has provided for them, and when they receive it, they are content. This clearly demonstrates that man is more corrupt than other creatures, more vile and more base than even the brute beasts. End quote. There's a very short poem by C.S. Lewis that goes like this. Said the sparrow to the robin, I would surely like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the robin to the sparrow, friend, I think that it must be they have no heavenly Father that loves them so. And so church, as we close out this point, we need to believe when it says in Romans chapter 8 that He, referring to the Father, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Church, you do not need to worry because of your master. You do not need to worry because of your father. And thirdly, you do not need to worry because of your future. Jesus says in verse 27, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? The cubit is about 18 inches long, the size or the length of your arm. 
right? Other translations will say, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? In other words, who can add one millisecond to his future by worrying? So whether it's your stature or the time span of your life, the message is clear here. Either way, worrying doesn't add anything to your life. In fact, it might even give an ulcer, right? It's going to stress you out and, and cause health problems. He says, if you worry about your future, it's not going to add anything to, of value to your life. You see, Jesus is speaking very practically here, right? It might even subtract a few years from your life if you, if you feel that way. Instead, church, as the Lord guides us throughout Scripture, we are to look to Him for our future. Can I give you a few scriptures to back up what, I, what I'm saying here? And if you agree with this, you are welcome to, to declare something or, or shout amen. It says in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a? Can somebody say amen? amen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, and in you, and in you, and in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is your future. Can I give you one more? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 4 says, All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is His, it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. Now we live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose again from the dead. And God has reserved for His children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. If you are a Christian, that is your future. Somebody needs to give the Lord a great shout of praise for that fact this morning. So the rule is don't worry. And the reasons are because of your master, because of your father, and because of your future. And I want to end now, church, on this note, the remedy. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 is really the crescendo of what we've been speaking about over the past two weeks. And this is the remedy to our worry about material possessions. This is actually the worry to, or the remedy to all of our worries. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His, and all these things will be added to you. So first up, what are all these things that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about what you'll wear, and all the other material concerns of life, all the other worries of life. And it's as if Jesus says this to us. You put the priority on seeking me and my kingdom, and I will relieve you of the worry of the material things. I will take care of you. Church, Jesus is telling us to put a priority on the kingdom of God. But listen, that doesn't mean that he's telling you to sell everything that you have, right? So that you can go and join some monastery. 
or that you go into the mission fields because that's the only way that you, you seek first the kingdom of God. Unless God has called you to do that, don't do that, right? You see, Jesus still has a concern for material things in life, for your material things. Remember, he's the same God who told you to pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. It's the same God, right? That's just early in Matthew chapter 6. But it's the same God who says you cannot live by bread alone. You see, God has a place and a role for material things in our life. He just wants us to give more attention to the spiritual than most of us do. Right? Remember, a heavy touch on spiritual things and a very light touch on, on, on material things. A church, just like Arthur Pink alluded to in his teachings, if you and I live our lives only concerned about what we eat and what we drink and what we wear and the car we drive in and the house we live in, if these things make up the main concerns of our lives, we are living our lives at the level of the animals. And I don't say that to offend anybody here this morning, but can you see where the enemy wants us to live? He wants to distort God's creation of human beings created in the image of God by leading them to behave like animals. I'm just trying to get you to think this morning. And look, I know that you really love your animals. And you, do you think that your, your dog is human because it behaves in a certain way? And that you're convinced your animal's going to go to heaven one day with you? I'm not going to argue that point with you this morning. <laughs> Right? I'll, I'll agree with you this morning if that makes you feel better. But just think about, your, think about your dog. What concerns your dog every day? Eating, sleeping, right? Drinking. Right? What's it? Love and eat, Paul, Uncle Bill says. And then you're right, escape, trying to escape to go and see what the other girl dogs in the neighborhoods are doing, right? That concerns your dog's existence, right? And the question is, church, how many people live their lives basically at, at the level of animals? You see, that's the enemy's agenda. He wants us to live there. He's, he's comfortable for us to live there. But God means for you and I, church, men and women created in His image to live for something higher. He means for us to live for something more spiritual so that we can connect with Him on that very level. So in closing, Jesus says, stop worrying. And I want you to stop worrying by replacing your worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. I want you to stop worrying by putting your concerns on kingdom beatitudes, kingdom principles, by developing the disciplines of giving, praying, and fasting, by developing a godly legacy in your life, in your family, in your church in your school, wherever you are connected, by understanding what it means to, to have the glory of the kingdom come down into your life and affect the change that, that, that it can do. To be the salt and light in this world. To be the, 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 the light in a dark world and the salt that preserves the truth in this world. And to understand what His purpose is for your life as kingdom ambassadors on this earth. He wants you and our church to replace our worry with a dedicated pursuit of the kingdom of God 
And it says at the end of verse 33, and all these other things shall be added to you. If you put God's kingdom first, and if you think that your life is more than what you eat and what you drink and the clothes that you put on your back, God says, I will take care of you and I will guide you into an even higher and better kind of life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Church, I want you to prepare yourself this morning. These are some great principles that we can start applying to our lives. And I'd really like you to do that and go over this message again and identify what these principles are so that we can start to root out worry in our lives. That we can start to seek first the kingdom of God in our lives. And you may be sitting there today thinking, you know what, Pastor, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a warrior. Not as in a warrior, as in a battle warrior. I just worry about things. As we go into worship today, if you say, I'm that, I'm that warrior, I want you to take that thought captive today. Whatever that, that thing that is holding you, that is holding you bound by worry, I don't want you to turn that worry into worship. Whatever is holding you, you say, I'm a warrior. We, today, we're going to break that over your life this morning. You're going to turn your worrying into praising today. And it might not just be worried about financial things. You might be worried about a child that is, you feel is in the kingdom of darkness and you are praying for him to come into the kingdom of light. You're going to turn, turn that concern today into praising. And we're going to trust God for a breakthrough in your life this morning. Let's make some declarations this morning. Let's trust God for breakthrough in your life. And you know what, church, when I was thinking about these principles this week, it's like God is saying, you, I don't want you to worry about the things in your life. He wants you to cast those worries on his shoulders because his shoulders are much broader than ours. He can carry those burdens. He doesn't want us to carry those burdens. He wants us to focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things you'll start to add to our lives. So if you're a person here today saying, I'm just a warrior, we're going to break that today. Make some declarations today. Trust God for something significant. Trust God for breakthrough today. That you change your mindset. I believe that God's going to transform some thinking this morning. He's going to transform some hearts. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah.